think the first thing was allow myself to feel really rejected for a moment and be okay with it. Because as an actor, I was trained to be completely connected to my emotions, but then when I was getting rejected, I would reject all my emotions because I didn't want to feel it. Welcome to Career Relaunch, the podcast focused on helping you create a more fulfilling career. My name is Joseph Liu, and I'm here to help you gain the clarity, confidence, and courage to overcome the challenges of making changes to your career so you can do more meaningful work and enjoy your professional life. In each episode, I feature people who have stepped off the beaten path to reinvent their careers and successfully make a major career change. We talk through their unique personal stories, the challenges they overcame, and the lessons they learned along the way to help you take your own brave steps to improve your career and life. Today, my guest is going to share his story of how he relaunched his career from being an actor to a small business owner and eventually a career coach. We'll discuss the limitations of always playing it safe and why failure can be such a useful tool during your career. Afterwards, I'll share a few thoughts on how I bounce back from rejection. Today, I'm speaking with Andy Whalen, who's an accomplished career coach and small business owner. His background also includes performing at the Second City and Late Night with Conan O'Brien. His results-oriented, growth-mindset approach to coaching has helped hundreds of graduates and freelancers achieve professional success. His current coaching focuses on General Assembly's immersive students and entrepreneurs, guiding them through their branding and job search. I got a chance to meet Andy earlier this summer when I gave a talk in San Francisco and found him to be a really thoughtful, insightful guy, so I hope you enjoy this conversation with him. You can learn more about Andy at careerrelaunch.net slash episode 25. He spoke with me from San Francisco. Okay. Hello, Andy. And thanks for joining me here on Career Relaunch. And I want to hear all about your life as an actor and business owner. But before we get to that, can you just kick us off by telling us about the work you do there at General Assembly? Absolutely. Thanks for having me today. I'm a career coach currently at General Assembly in the San Francisco campus. And what I do is I work with our full-time immersive students who go through either 10-week or 12-week full-time programs in areas like user experience design, data science, or development. And I help them through the course build their materials like resume, cover letter, learn how to interview, build portfolios. And then I work with them one-on-one when they graduate to make that transition into a new career. Can you just give us a glimpse into the types of students that end up enrolling in courses there at General Assembly, and also just maybe a very brief summary of what General Assembly does for people who aren't familiar with the organization. Yeah, General Assembly is an accelerated learning or technical boot camp as is part of the industry now. So what we do is we train people for roles in the technical market, startups, companies anywhere from Adobe, Dropbox, down to very early stage startups from engineering to design to product management and data science. Our graduates graduate in 10 to 12 weeks and then they move into a full-time job search and they come from right out of college through, you know, I've worked with people who were very successful in marketing or animation or other areas. We are international and we focus on areas that are hiring for tech market and for tech positions right now. What are the one or two major challenges that you see that students are struggling with when they come to get your career coaching as they're enrolled in the courses there at General Assembly? I think the first challenge is fear. I'm not going to be good enough. Uh, There's not enough jobs or it's not going to work out for me. And then the other is often in transition. Someone's worked really hard in their past career and they've been successful and very unwilling to let go of some of that to focus on what skills they have and the things they've been doing recently to move into the next career. 
Now, speaking of former identities, I get approached by a lot of career coaches to be on this show. But in this case, I actually approached you because you've got such a unique background and I was really intrigued by your career trajectory. And I was wondering if you could just take us back in time, Andy, before you were doing this great career coaching for General Assembly and tell us a little bit about your life as an actor. My first career transition probably happened in college. I'm like most people who felt the influence of their family and started studying. I was a pre-med major and I started studying. Oh, me too. <laughs> there you go, right? So we both went through that process. That's right. I remember when you were uh, giving your talk, just this idea of, you know, having that feeling like, I don't know, I'm not sure, but I'm already this far. So as I was studying, I realized it, it wasn't bringing me the joy that I thought it was. And I felt like it was a job already and I was in school. So I actually, on a bet from a roommate, I auditioned for a play in college and I was cast in the play. That kind of changed my experience in life in general because I felt like both personally and professionally, I started to belong in a way. What was the experience like for you emotionally between going in for that first audition versus all the other pre-med work that you had been doing before? Like, Can you illustrate what that contrast was like for you? The way I would describe it is going from black and white to color. I would go to class every day. I did the work. I was in the library all day. And I was very good at that. I'm very good at studying and testing and doing all those things. I just felt like I was checking things off. And then when I moved into auditioning and then getting into a play and going to rehearsal at night, I felt like I was doing something that mattered to me and it was important. And the energy level that I had changed Completely. I felt like, you know, it's that idea of I would get up and I was happy to start my day. I felt this feeling that uh, I was doing something that not everyone else was doing. I wasn't playing it safe and I was actually enjoying the process. What happened next for you with acting? So you go in for that first audition. How did you eventually end up breaking into the world of acting? First, what happened was I went to Syracuse University and I spent a year there in a master's program. I had been building sets for them at Syracuse Stage. So my connections there helped me to meet with the theater department and they offered me a scholarship to teach some set design courses, work at Syracuse Stage, and then take an MFA program at Syracuse University. So I went and did that. So, you know, I went through that process for about a year and I realized I just did not want to be in school anymore. So I left and I moved to Chicago. I had a connection. And again, the story of my career professionally is really about connecting with people and then saying yes to an opportunity they offer me. And so someone said, I'm moving to Chicago. Do you want to put your stuff in the truck and go too? And I said, okay. And I started working, building sets. And uh, I was a carpenter and a welder for Steppenwolf and then the Goodman Theater out there. One of my connections that I met at a theater I was building sets at said, you know, the Second City is looking for someone to work uh, and they need someone to sort of stage manage, help out over there. So I called them and I went over and I started working for them. As I have been for most of my career, I started in a support role and learned as I went and then got an opportunity. So I started there stage managing and then I started taking classes at Second City. And from that point, I got the opportunity to write and perform on their business side. So that was really my first move into professional acting and writing. What exactly does it take to break into acting? Like, I know that you mentioned you started off at Second City 
what was the transition for you getting your first big acting role? What it took for me was a willingness to just continuously fight to get noticed and learn more and then learn how to suppress all the fear that comes around standing in front of people and performing to the point where I did it enough to feel comfortable. And it, on the professional side, it means learning how to have no money all the time. <laughs> right. uh, my friends who are successful, and I worked with a bunch of people over there who are now very big stars, they started to get successful roles. And then they were on, on the news as you know the new star, the new hit. But I had watched them struggle for 15, 20 years, having no money, everybody living in a single apartment, pooling your money. Um, one of my friends who's quite successful now lived in his parents' house until he got his first big television role. And I'm not talking about till you're 19, you know, we're talking mid to late 20s because it's just a very difficult road. So it takes incredible fortitude to say, I'm gonna do this. Meanwhile, all of your friends who you went to college with are now getting married, having children, have careers and cars and regular bills. They have cable TV and you're shocked they can pay for cable TV. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was a lot of that. It was just the idea of, oh, again, I'm budgeting to make sure I have enough to eat this week so that I can go audition, continue to learn. And most of it in Chicago for me was doing shows at night for free with my friends because we wanted to perform as much as possible. I think it's very well understood that becoming an actor or an actress involves a lot of rejection. And I was just wondering if you could give us a glimpse into what the auditioning process was like for you. When you're new and you are first trying to get an agent or a manager, no one knows you and they're expecting you to possibly bring an opportunity for income to them because that's how they earn their living. And so it's that weird middle where no one wants to bring me on to be my agent because I've not done anything, but I can't get into auditions without an agent. So it takes a lot of time. You have to go and you have to accidentally run into them everywhere they go. You have to continuously get your friends who are being represented to ask to walk you in, to meet with them, to get started. And then you have to go through the process of getting headshots, putting a resume together and so it's true, you know, if you've ever seen a film about actors, you wait in line. Sometimes I would get in line at 10 in the morning in New York City in the winter for an audition for a play on Broadway, and I would maybe get seen at three or four in the afternoon. And so I'd be standing outside the whole time to get in. And I've had moments where I've gone on stage in a Broadway theater and started my monologue and said maybe three words and someone in the back who you can't see goes, thanks so much. And then you're like, okay, cool, I'm done. And that was your day because you spent all day waiting in line. Wow, that, that's just like that scene in La La Land where Emma Stone goes in and it's, it's, yeah. that's exactly what she goes through. What's that like to deal with rejection on the spot like that? What it felt like was a great way for me to step outside and say, great, now I'm going to show you. So I was definitely fueled by this idea that anytime you reject me is another bit of energy, another way for me to say, great, I can't wait to come back and show you how amazing I'm going to be. So in the beginning, it was this, it was fueled by this anger and this idea that I'm supposed to be here. And as my career grew, and I've had times, I mentioned this to you before, but I've had a day where I've had five different auditions that I was sent to by an agent and rejected by all five. 
And so going through that, how do you then go, oh, great, let's make dinner. You know, so <laughs> I've, had to, I've had to go through and um, the change for me was an understanding of a, a couple of things. I think the first thing was allow myself to feel really rejected for a moment and be honest because I went through this phase where I would not get something. And in my head, I would try to tell this story of, well, I wasn't right for it, or they don't know what they're doing, or that project's not very good anyway, instead of being honest and saying, I'm really disappointed. It really hurts that they don't recognize me for this role because I work so hard to do the craft that I do. So the first part was me saying, I've got to feel this and be okay with it. And it's hard too, because as an actor, I was trained to be completely connected to my emotions. But then when I was getting rejected, I would reject all my emotions because I didn't want to feel it. That is so interesting because I, I'm listening to your story here and I know that we're talking about acting, but I think it's so applicable to other career aspirations that people have whenever they're trying to shift into a new role or a new job and they put out a bunch of applications and they never hear back or they hear back and they get rejected. It, it sounds like in acting, it's about as brutal as it can be because you've got someone looking you in the face, rejecting you on the spot. And I know I've met you before and I know you're like a really positive guy and you have a lot of resilience, but for those people out there who struggle with the idea of rejection, and I'm one of them, I think it, it hurts when it happens. Do you have any suggestions on how you managed to bounce back again and again? Like what worked for you? What I think I go through a lot is this idea that if I don't get the job, which is the perfect outcome, that it must be the worst outcome on the other end of the spectrum. And I'm really somewhere in the middle. And so I have to not generalize and say like, oh, I'm horrible or I'm, I'm not good enough for this. I have to get more specific and say, where was I in this process? How did I really do this? Whether it be a job interview or an audition, how did I actually perform that moment? Was I the right fit? And then take some opportunity to learn from it rather than sit back and feel sorry for myself. And the other thing I do is I only give myself a limited amount of time to be depressed about it. So I have to, and it doesn't mean I'm not depressed anymore. It means, okay, I'm still really angry or upset or sad about this moment, but this is the deadline I've given myself to step up and go back into this and go submit again, go apply again, go do whatever. So I try really hard to give myself a limited amount of time to be focused on the negative and what I didn't get and focus on what the next thing is. Now, I know eventually you ended up landing quite a big gig with the Conan O'Brien show. Can you tell us what it was like for you to successfully make it through an audition for a pretty big and famous show? Like, what was that moment like for you? So my constantly going to auditions and not getting work and really recognizing like I'm fairly talented, but there are people out there that are just unbelievable. And there always have been, you know, I'm competing against people that the moment they were born, everybody just stared at them, <laughs> you know, and it's hard. I have worked with people that I'm sweating on stage and they walk out and before they open their mouths, everyone just is following them and completely in awe of them. Some of the people that I worked with who were really successful at the Second City ended up starting to write for Conan O'Brien. So they left their positions and they started writing for Conan. I had an opportunity to move to New York. And when I went to see them and hang out with them socially, they were the ones that said to me, listen, we really uh, like you. We want to give you this opportunity. So they went to their casting director who uh, then met with me and going to meet with her. 
she was incredibly supportive and said, you know, this is the way that we operate here. And it was, I was doing a lot of the um, little bits in between guests. And she said, you know, we'd love to have you be one of our regular crew who does this. And so that was the real audition, right? I no longer was standing up there trying to do a monologue. It was showing my work and saying, you know, I really want to come in and do this. And then them knowing I was a dependable person who would come in, who would stay late, who would be in the rehearsal process and just rehearse and not be difficult. And I think that was the moment for me that I recognized, like, I'm doing something I love. I'm getting paid for it. And it was coming from the work I'd done in the past because people knew that they could trust me with their writing. What made you decide to shift into the work you did next? Working for Late Night with Conan was not a full-time opportunity. Actors generally don't get, unless they're on a television show with contract, you're paid per appearance. So some weeks there'd be a lot of opportunities for me and some weeks there wouldn't. So I couldn't always guarantee making a decent living through an opportunity like that. So I was still doing commercial work. You know, I would go do something really fun at Conan and then I'd have an audition for some horrible product to sell as a commercial (laughs) or do an industrial, which is like, you know, you go to a company and you talk about, here's the new plan and then they film it. So I was still doing that on the side. Um, And that's a little bit depressing because I, when I moved to New York, I studied at the William Esper studio, which is a, a very well-known Meisner technique acting studio. And these, you know, great actors have come out of it. So I felt like I'm an accomplished actor and then I would go and sell toothpaste. And so it was really (laughs) sometimes difficult. You're not getting paid the incredible amounts of money that maybe commercial or television or film actors are making. And so you've got to survive. What I did was I relied on my past skills. I did carpentry. I did a lot of maintenance work, starting with the building I lived in. So I made a deal with my landlord to say, let me take care of these things in the building so I don't have to pay as much rent. And that turned into cleaning. So I would start to clean people's apartments in order to make money to survive and pay my rent while I was acting and hustling and trying to do as much as I could to get noticed in New York. And word got around that I was dependable. I was easy to work with and I had reasonable rates. So I started to build a business in that way. And what I realized was I started to enjoy having money in my pocket every day. Uh So I just said, I'm going to start to focus on being really friendly, doing the best I can and learning along the way, but also being incredibly dependable. And was there something about your past acting experiences that ended up having a direct role in your ability to succeed in the business world? Yeah, I think my training in improvisation allowed me to say yes. One of the founding principles of improvisation is yes and, where in order to continue a scene, you have to say yes and, because if someone comes up to you and says, hey, my shoe is on fire, and you look at them and say, no, it's not, the scene can't continue. But if you say yes, and I'm going to go and try and find some water, and then you throw something on it, and you go, oh, no, it's gasoline, and they go, yes, and now my whole body's on fire, that's how you start a scene. So when I would meet with people and they would say to me, can you do this? I would go, yep. And then I would just figure it out afterwards. Why do you think people don't say yes to things more often? Because I know that that's a bit of a theme that's emerging here is you say yes and then you have opportunities come your way or you figure things out as you need to. We don't consider the outcomes. We just consider the task at hand. And so all that other stuff is fear, right? Like if they say no to me, and this has happened my whole life, right? It started with asking people out on a date and you get a lot of no's. 
So then my head will say, well, don't ask anybody because they might say no. Or what if they say yes, now I actually have to go and talk to them for a couple of hours. So it's all this fear around what actually happens once the next step occurs. And that's why I think a lot of people are just too afraid to say yes. If they say no, then there's no attempt. And there's also no rejection because if I don't go after it, I don't have to worry about what happens when they say no. Yeah. It's almost like you're self-handicapping yourself just kind of out of self-preservation psychologically. Yeah. And you can't grow that way. There's no growth uh, if you don't evaluate it afterwards. So there's always this idea. And I hear this a lot. I talk to people outside of here when I'm even just in, in social situations and they say, oh yeah, I'm thinking about doing this. And I know what that means is, boy, it'd be really nice if I could do this. I'm not going to attempt it. Because if I attempt it, it means I've got to fail. Right. I, there's very few people that I've seen who have been successful right out of the gate. We all put that on ourselves. Like, I've got to make it right away. When you look back on these career changes, Andy, what's something that you wished you had known about career change that you now know? When I've done a couple of changes, so I went from acting to running a business and moving into selling that business, and that moved into moving to a small state where I was teaching at a fine art college, all of that at times turned into it's about me. I'm focused on this and I've got to make a change because I need to earn a paycheck. And if I had stepped back and said, you know, it's about the people that I'm going to help when I make this transition, whether it be running a maintenance company or teaching or being a career coach, I think that the transition would have been a much more positive in some lights because I would have been focused on the people I'm about to work with, the people I'm about to help, rather than I need to figure this out and get this going as quickly as possible with as least pain. First, I don't like rejection. The second is I don't like sometimes going through the process of now I have to start building a new community. Now I have to start applying. Now I have to start learning. And some people who do this have been doing it for 10, 15 years, and they're way better at it than me. I'd love to wrap up talking a little bit more about your work as a career coach. And I know one of the things that you focus on is this growth mindset approach to coaching. And I don't know if that directly relates to what you're talking about, but can you just explain what a growth mindset approach is? So the concept behind it is I can learn something and I can actually grow within it versus the Opposite, which would be everything that I was born with is what I get to use to build my career, build my life, build my friendships. Challenges should be avoided because I'm not going to succeed anyway. But a growth mindset says challenges are welcome because that's where I learn. Uh, when I fail, it's an opportunity to improve and that I can build these skills. It just takes time. So what that means is it directly relates to if that's true, then my only avenue is the hard work required. If you are not putting in that hard work, then you really have this sort of fixed mindset, which is, it doesn't matter anyway, right? I'm going to get what I get based on what I already have. And so this concept is I'm looking for continual growth, but I need to have a plan. And I also need to have people around me to support me. And then success, I think, comes much faster. And when success doesn't come, you have an opportunity to really get that feedback required to know what it is I need to do to build on what I've just not gotten. One more thing before we wrap up, if there's someone out there who 
is trying to get into a profession that inevitably involves a lot of either in-your-face rejection or implicit rejection. (laughs) Do you have any advice that you could share on how you stick with it and how you stay resilient? If you're always used to getting what you want, you have to practice having someone say no to you. And you've got to start to work with people who will be your mentor. When you're dealing with this type of rejection, work with somebody who is successful in the place you want to be, but who went through a ton of that rejection, because they're the ones that will constantly remind you that this is the journey. It's not that moment. Because for me as an actor, it was this idea that I just want to be able to tell people I'm on this show or I'm doing this. And what I learned over my life so far is that what I really want now is an opportunity to learn more about myself. So the other bit of advice I would say is make sure through this process that you practice self-care. You have to learn the things that you can do that make you feel better about these moments where you're feeling lousy and do that. You know, we forget to take an hour for ourselves and go for a walk. Anybody who loves doing photography or hiking, the minute the transition happens, there's this idea that, oh, I can't do this because I've got to put all my energy into meeting people, skills, going after this new career. And I would argue those things that make you happiest are the ones that will recharge you when you get rejected. So practice those over and over again so that you are ready each time because it's about the recovery time. It's not really about the rejection, in my opinion. Uh, we're all going to get rejected. I get rejected all the time. I'll ask people for stuff. I'll ask my boss for something and they'll say no. And I go, oh, I can't sulk for four hours in my office. I've got people to help. So what I have to do is I have to take a moment, decide what's of importance right now, and then move to the next thing. Yeah. Now, speaking of recharging your battery, before we go, I also want to touch on a project now you know, that you're really passionate about, which is Young Storytellers. Can you just give us a glimpse into what that's all about? It's great. It's a program that started in Los Angeles, and there are many well-known celebrities and a lot of people who volunteer. And And now it's in San Francisco. I was part of the pilot program. We go into local schools and teach 11, 12 year olds. I think the last person I mentored was in fifth grade. And we, through an eight week period, teach them how to write screenplays and do exercises to teach them to create a story. And then at the end of that, we, myself, because I love to perform, but then other local performers come in and we actually perform their screenplays in front of their entire school. And the thing that I think is amazing about it is we allow these students who sometimes might struggle in some traditional learning to come in and excel and they get the spotlight for the day. So it's amazing here because they get this like little VIP badge that they wear all day because it's their play and it is amazing to watch. So I highly recommend if you have something like that in your area to investigate it because for me that allows me to stay creative even if I'm not necessarily doing what I started out to do in my career. So, you know, I can be guaranteed a time to perform at least every quarter, which for me is great. Well, that's great. I think it's good to feed that muscle around the things that you're really passionate about. So very cool. And finally, Andy, where can people go to learn more about you if they want to get in touch with you or if they've got any follow-up questions for you? You can definitely find me uh, through LinkedIn. And then I'm also at General Assembly in San Francisco. I will be speaking twice in October at, at the Adobe Max Conference in Las Vegas. But I always recommend to people on for a professional connection, definitely hit me up on LinkedIn and we can start a conversation there. 
Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Andy, for giving us a glimpse into your former life as an actor and some of the lessons you learned along the way, and most importantly, how you stay resilient in the face of major challenges. So appreciate you sharing your story. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much. So I hope you enjoyed hearing Andy's perspectives on how to manage rejection, why you can't always play it safe, and why focusing on the value you can provide to others can help you stay on track. Now it's time to wrap up with today's Mental Fuel, where I'll be sharing my thoughts on how I deal with rejection. Before we get to today's Mental Fuel, I just wanted to thank General Assembly for supporting this episode of Career Relaunch. General Assembly is a pioneer in education and career transformation, specializing in today's most in-demand skills. A leading source for training, staffing, and career transitions, they foster a flourishing community of professionals pursuing careers they love. Visit GA.co to learn how General Assembly can boost your career, and use promo code RELAUNCH for 20% off your first class or workshop. This is the part of the show called Mental Fuel, where I finish the show with a brief personal story related to one of the topics we covered today and wrap up with a simple challenge for you to help you move forward with your own career goals. So for today's Mental Fuel, I want to pick up on something Andy mentioned about this idea of the importance of finding ways to recover from rejection, especially since rejection is such a big part of any endeavor to do anything challenging and meaningful. And it's a topic we also talked about in episode 24. Now, this topic of rejection is something that really resonates with me because I'm someone who can be very hard on myself. Just last week, my sister reminded me to make sure I celebrate the small wins in my work because as she put it, my natural way of working is to beat myself up on what didn't go well instead of what did go well, which I definitely catch myself doing. I can think of many instances in my career when rejection knocked me out for a little bit longer than I care to admit. One example that comes to mind is when I first moved to the UK from the US and I wanted to pick up where I left off in my marketing career. I had done a bunch of research on the different companies I could work for in London and I found the perfect company. It was in the healthy foods sector. The role would have been a perfect next step for me, and it was one of the few consumer goods companies in central London, not to mention it had a really positive culture that I had admired for many years. And I could see myself being really excited to go to work there every day, plus everything on the job description seemed to map perfectly to my background and my experiences. So I reach out to someone on the marketing team to apply to that open role with what I thought was an impressive resume and cover letter. And literally within a few hours of applying, I was immediately rejected. I didn't even get invited to do a first round interview. Now, I had just left everything behind to come to the UK and I went through so much struggle to get out here. So I genuinely thought that landing at this company would have been the perfect next chapter to sort of justify everything. But just like that, it fell through. And I know that people get rejected from jobs all the time, and I've been rejected from jobs before, but for some reason, this one really hurt. Maybe because I'd created this vision of really thriving there, and because it happened right after I moved to the UK, and because it happened after I'd been rejected from a few other companies already, so it really hit me hard. And I remember feeling very down about it. I beat myself up over it for weeks, And I think I ended up suffering a lot more than I really needed to. I remember I was only sleeping two to three hours a night because I was so worried about whether I would ever find a job here in the UK. And I started to even wonder if I'd made a big mistake in moving here. In the end, things did work out. A few weeks later, I landed another job in London. And was I as excited about it? Probably not. But did I end up having a worthwhile experience there anyway? Definitely. 
Looking back on that job rejection, I now realize that the time I spent groveling was really counterproductive. I chose to stay knocked down for just a little bit too long. These days, as a business owner and solopreneur, I still deal with rejection pretty much all the time. I get articles rejected. I get my proposals rejected. Sometimes people don't even bother to reject me. They just don't respond at all. But one thing I now do differently is I don't allow myself to stay down for too long. I'm fully invested in my work, but I try to detach myself from the outcomes. And I do this by always having another productive project or task in the pipeline. I also make a point to focus on self-care a lot more these days. You've probably heard me talk in past episodes about never compromising on my swimming routine. And that's because swimming just helps to rejuvenate me and regenerate my motivation. Now, I'm telling you all this because I really do think that managing rejection is critical to getting where you want to go in your career. Being self-critical and doing a brutally honest post-mortem can be productive. I think sometimes people say, don't worry, you did your best and that's all you could do because it makes you feel better emotionally. But I do think it's equally important to learn whatever lessons you can from the mistakes you've made or areas where you could have done better so you can actually improve. But I also think that self-care is important in your career, especially since careers are more like marathons rather than sprints. Falling over isn't fun, but staying down for too long isn't always productive and can be counterproductive. So if you regularly catch yourself saying derogatory things to yourself that you wouldn't necessarily say to someone else, or if you're beating yourself up too much, think about what sort of a long-term impact that's having on your productivity and self-confidence. Maybe it's time to be a bit kinder to yourself. This takes me to a quote from the author Louise Hay, who sadly just passed away last week. You have been criticizing yourself for years and it hasn't worked. Try approving of yourself and see what happens. If there's one takeaway I got from talking with Andy, it's that rejection is not something you can avoid, especially when you're pursuing something worthwhile in your career. So given that you're probably going to face some rejection, my challenge to you is to identify one mechanism in your life that can recharge you when you get rejected. What's one thing you know you can do to help you stand back up after you get knocked down? Before I wrap up, I just wanted to say thank you to Angel in Davis, California, who took the time to share this very nice voicemail with me. Hi, Joseph. This is Angel McCormick, and I'm a career counselor who's always looking for good tools and resources for my clients. And I recently discovered your career relaunch podcast. And I have to let you know, your podcasts are some of the best I've ever heard. And I don't know how many hundreds of podcasts I've listened to. These podcasts of real people's stories are just fascinating. And you're really empowering people to create truly fulfilling lives and careers. You're awesome. Well, thanks so much, Angel, for your kind feedback. I'm so happy to hear you're enjoying this podcast. One thing I do hear consistently from people like you is that they want to hear real life stories they can relate to. So I really do my very best to find regular, ordinary people who are willing to share their honest journeys, not just their successes, but their challenges along the way that we all face sometimes. Now, if you want to share some feedback on this show, or if you want to ask me a question you'd like me to address on a future episode, I welcome you leaving me a voicemail at careerrelaunch.net slash episode 25, where you can also find a summary of the ideas we've discussed today and learn more about that creative conference Andy's speaking at in Las Vegas in October. While you're there, I'd be interested to hear your strategies on how you deal with rejection. 
Just leave a comment for the Career Relaunch community at careerrelaunch.net slash episode 25 so we can all learn from each other. Thanks so much for subscribing to Career Relaunch and a special thanks again to Andy Whalen for joining us today. This episode was mixed by Richard Pennington, Electrocardiogram wrote and performed our original theme song. I'm Joseph Liu and I'll see you next time.